0: Okay, so the last episode had me thinking about not just that I'm in a transitional period, but to try and define the transitional period. And what came out of the wash was that I've decided that I have proof of concept for two of the three main things that I have going on outside of, you know, family and all that kind of jazz. So the three things that I have going on is an MMA gym, the podcast, and the business. The... MMA gym is only getting out of the ground. I don't know me arse and me elbow. I haven't a fucking clue what I'm at, and that's fine. The business and the podcast are up and running in a couple of years. I'm not a veteran at either by any stretch of the imagination, but I have to take ownership of what I know and to consider myself a beginner in either of those two domains is—it's just incorrect. It's to, to, to call, if I was to consider myself to be a beginner in the podcasting world and in the business world, world, I would need to have to come up with a new word for people who had just started, because I'm using the word beginner in a context that doesn't include people who've only started. So I can't call myself a beginner as much as I, I suppose, identify as being a beginner. I'm not a beginner. Objectively, I'm at it too long. I've done too much work. I've spent too much time. And I suppose I just want to focus in on that a little bit as well. I've spent too much time because there are people who are doing things years. And it's earlier on in my career when I was in my early and mid-twenties in particular, I was going for jobs against people in their you know late thirties, forties and fifties. Lads who would have had 20 years more experience than me. So, as you can imagine, something that was put to me in interviews was, why should we hire you for the same money that somebody else with 25 years experience? Why should we pick you over them? And my answer was, with these people who have 20 plus years experience, you have to ask them, what have they done? Because I can show you over the last five years how I've had two different jobs, or three different jobs, or depending on who I was talking to, I'd spun them a different fucking story. Where I might tell someone in the last five years I've had five jobs, in five different industries, in five different roles. And that's what makes me a perfect candidate for this particular position because you always have to kind of orchestrate your experience to suit the role that you're going for. So that was basically the basis for my claim as to why I should be hired over somebody else. I'm saying I've got five years' experience. These other people are saying they've got 20 years' experience, but I'm claiming that they have the same year repeated 20 years. So you have to be careful with the amount of time that you spent on something. You might be playing the guitar 20 years. But if you've only been playing the same 50 songs for 20 years, you haven't really been playing the guitar 20 years like somebody else who's dedicated the last 20 years to playing every song that is imaginable on the fucking guitar. A crude bass example, but look, that's what people keep coming back for. So this episode is loosely going to be based around the idea that you should know your place. In business speak, if you go down the start your own business course road, which I'd highly recommend people do, you're going to be made aware of your shortcomings. People are, are going to like different business trainers, it's a it's a kind of a mantra. You have to be aware of your shortcomings. Now they'll also say you have to be aware of your strengths. So, especially if you want to start building a business, okay, again, as usual, I have to kind of pair back. There's two main ways of conceptualizing businesses, as far as I'm concerned. One of them is what I would call a business business, and the other one is a lifestyle business. So I run a lifestyle business. The business was conceived of and runs to suit the requirements of its owner, namely me, and its employees, the people that it employs. And it's customers, obviously, that kind of goes without saying. And that's a lifestyle business. And it will never, this particular business, will never employ hundreds of people, never mind thousands of people or tens of thousands of people. Those kind of businesses are business businesses. And... They're typically soulless. They typically are run by a board. So you have a a CEO, chief executive officer who's the the boss boss, but quote-unquote beneath him is the CTO, the chief technical officer and then there's the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. And all these different people have their different remits. One of them looks after the finances, one of them looks after the day-to-day operations, one of them looks after everything broadly. You have a logistics guy, you have a sales guy, you have a marketing guy, you have all these different people and together, collectively, they can run a business business that has hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of employees. I, on the other hand, run a lifestyle business. This business is sole purpose, it isn't to make a profit per se, It needs to in order to function. But that's not its only objective. It's other objectives aside from making a profit. And even that, like a business's objective should never be making a profit. Making a profit is essential in order for the thing to work. So saying one of your business's priorities is making a profit is like saying, is like when I ask you, what's your priorities in life? And you say breathing and eating. It's like, yeah, they're really important, but, you know, they're fundamentally important. They're crucial. You can't exist without breathing and eating. But come on, for fuck's sake. Like, let's let's get past that. And what, what do you really want out of life? And it's the same with business. If you're preoccupied with this idea of making a profit, you're missing everything else. It has to make a profit. That's just that should be just put aside from the get-go. It won't survive without making a profit. So it's akin to eating and breathing as a human. It's not an objective. It's not a target. It's something that has to happen in order for this organism to function. And businesses are organisms of sorts. They they live. There's a there's a life to them, um, and they're essentially made up of people. They're made of. People doing the logistics, people doing the deliveries, people doing the sales and the marketing and and all those other different things. Now, it gets tricky with a lifestyle business because you don't have a board of people. You've got one cunt, namely me, who's the logistics guy, the finance guy, the marketing guy, the delivery guy, you know, and all that jazz. So as far as I'm concerned, at least, if you're looking to get into a business, if you're looking to start a business, if you think you have the entrepreneurial spirit, let's say, to Create something out of nothing. What you should ask yourself, or at least what I think people should ask themselves, is what are you working towards? Is this a business business whereby you're going to, you know, the first thing you do is essentially come up with a business plan, then you go looking for funding, then you go looking to build your team, and you know, you you typically in that type of scenario, you look for Somewhere between 50 grand and 250 grand as a feasibility study, then you'll want a series A round of capital of you know, one million to get you to this particular part, and then the next seed capital of 10 million. and you know, within a year or two, you've 800 people working for you, and you're in business. That's a business business, and that's typically where people with business degrees go they look to start their first year of trading with, you know, 5 million in sales. But a lifestyle business is typically, and again, I'm I'm dumbing this down just for my own sake if nobody else's. A lifestyle business is a lad who is a carpenter, he's working away, doesn't particularly like working for people, reckons he could set up his own business. And before you know it, he has four or five lads, carpenters working alongside him. He's off the tools and he's running the business. He's trying to get in new jobs. He's trying to keep the lads he has working, keep them happy. And that's his business. He'll never employ hundreds of people, never mind thousands, nor does he have any want or desire to do any of that. He doesn't want to build a team around him. He wants to be in charge for the most part. He delegates certain things because you can't do everything all the time, which is fair enough, but he's no intention of only getting 1% of the profits of his company, which is all a business business person is looking for because you're turning tens of millions, 1% of tens of millions is a hell of a lot more than you know 20% of 100,000 or whatever it is. And I know this might all sound a little bit kind of philosophical, a little bit airy-fairy, a little bit kind of abstract. But I think it's fundamentally important that you as the entrepreneur or want-to-be entrepreneur get it clear in your head what you're getting yourself into. Because if you want to go down the business-business route, you sure as shit better be incredibly good at finance If you want to be the chief financial officer. Or you're going to want to know a hell of a lot about managing people. If you're going to be the general manager. I don't know nearly enough about finance to be anybody's CFO. Nor fucking close. I can barely handle my own accounts. But I'm not particularly good at any one thing. I'm relatively good at lots of things. So it suits me to have a lifestyle business and not to get involved in the more corporate world of business businesses. Because that's the other thing. In the corporate world of, of business businesses, you're very much a bit part, no matter what position you're in, unless maybe your CEO, they tend to have a, a very far reaching remit, say, than the other board members. But for the most part, if you're in a business business, it's a corporate environment, you have departments that look after specific things, and you're you're typically in one of those departments. And you have a HR department that deals with all your fucking staffing issues, you're not going to know the names of any of your employees because you're not going to interview them, you're not going to work alongside them. It's business businesses are they're soulless. And I don't mean that in a derogatory term. But they are, they're soulless in comparison to lifestyle businesses. Lifestyle businesses, again, broad sweeping generalization alert, but the owners of lifestyle businesses typically can name you, maybe not everyone that works in the company, but the, for the most part, most of them. Certainly all the managerial positions. They might know every single last factory floor worker or you know, plant picker out in the field or whatever it is, but they're going to know all their managers' names. Again, for the most part, part broad sweep and generalisation alert. Another thing to bear in mind then is the kind of turnover and what is considered to be a small bit small, a small, medium and large business. Would you have any idea in your head the turnover of any of those companies? Now, again, I'm not. A, um, what's the word? I'm not an expert in this. Barely stretch of the imagination, but the the sentiment will be right. A small business or a micro business, you're talking up to a million. So if you if you employ three or four people, odds are you're going to have a turnover, the best part of a million quid a year. In business terms, a turnover of a million quid is fuck all. i tell you what, I'm going to break it down in the calculator and I'll be back in two seconds. And I'm back in the room. So quick back of the napkin capula- capulation? calculation here. So we take a business with 10 employees. Okay, 10 full-timers. Now, at that level, you're talking about, you know, a small accountancy firm, a garage, you know, a, a relatively big restaurant, uh, you know, a medium-sized fucking shop. Like, my local petrol station down the road has easily has 10 full-timers in it. So, you're not talking big fucking business here by any stretch of the imagination. So, 10 people, let's say you're paying them 30 grand a year. That's 300,000. In order to generate sales of 300,000, you're going to need sales of about 600,000, just to, to keep things easy. Half of, you're selling something, you're doubling your money, let's say. So you need sales of 600,000 to produce to this the money to pay 10 people 30 grand a year. Then you have to pay tax on your profits. So for it all to be worthwhile, if you want 10 people working for you full-time, you're going to be, need to be making... Are turning at least, at least a million quid a year. So your local shop down the road could easily be turning a million quid a year. And that's a small business, that's a micro business. A, a medium-sized business then, you're talking orders of magnitude more. So instead of having 10 people, you've got 100 people. So you've just gone from 1 million to 10 million. And it doesn't scale exactly like that. And then a large business, you're into hundreds of millions. And I think people lose sight of that. I think people have it in their head a lot of the time that, Jesus, if your business is doing 700 grand a year, you fucking must be a millionaire. But not if you fucking have to hire people in order to get that turnover. But anyway, I must actually sit down and do a more detailed basics to business episode in the future. But sticking to the more philosophical end of things, and it's I suppose the main thing that I've harped on about, if you were to if you were to try and encapsulate everything that I've ever spoken about, it's all about kind of self-discovery. It's all about learning about yourself and by default learning about other people. Because you can't understand other people until you understand yourself. And there's a bit of vice versa there as well. We we learn from other people to hopefully learn a little bit about ourselves. But there's certain things you're going to need to know about yourself before you make the decision of A, whether or not you want to get involved in starting your own business in the first place. B, whether you want it to be a lifestyle business whereby you're the commander in chief and you're kind of running things and it's yours. Or if you want to either start or join a business business which would have you as a big part in a much bigger thing. As the cliche goes, the question is often put to you, which would you prefer, to be a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond? And for me, I only have to look back on my life to realise that that decision was kind of made for me without me ever really thinking about it. I had 15 jobs in the space of 20 years, so I'm not exactly somebody that sticks around. And you might say to yourself, well, fuck, if you can't stick in a job for any more than a couple of years, what makes you think you'd be able to work for yourself for a long time? time?" And the reason that I wasn't able to stick any particular job for any great length of time was because people weren't doing things the way I thought they should be done. That was essentially it. I get frustrated with how poorly it was run. Now, a lot of the time, in hindsight, that was just down to my own ignorance. And I have to take some accountability of that. But fundamentally, I was always cashing with managers and owners because I just didn't think that things were being done right. And I'm glad to say now, with the benefit of hindsight, of course, that I'm now working for myself a lot longer than I actually worked for anybody else. And another thing I've learned about myself, again, kind of looking back in hindsight, is... And it's funny, it was perfectly encapsulated by a guy I met before called uh, Pierce Lyons. Um, He was at the time, I think, Ireland's richest person, although he was living in the States at the time. But anyway, he was a billionaire. Uh, The only billionaire I've ever gotten anywhere close to, never mind spoken to. He's since passed away. But anyway, I was chatting to him and he said something that really struck home with me. He said that to him, an an entrepreneur's life was a life of dissatisfaction. And I remember he said that and I didn't quite understand it, but my ears pricked. There was something about it that I liked. And he went on to say that entrepreneurs hate everything basically. They look at everything and go, oh, that shit, or that shit, and that shit. But not in a kind of a, a morbid, depressing kind of a way. Entrepreneurs are people who are entrepreneurial. They, they get frustrated with things because they could see them being so much better. And that's part of the whole vision of an entrepreneur. It's an integral part. It's, it's a necessary part. It's a fundamental part, as far as I see it, of an entrepreneur. There's a, there's a There's an undeniable creative element to entrepreneurship. And my understanding psychologically is that entrepreneurs and artists are essentially the same people. Very different, but very much in the same category as another cliche goes, they, they tend to, to think outside the box. They tend to see things that, that other people don't. And for me personally, I get pissed off at everything. Every shop that I'm in, every place, anywhere that I go, any restaurant, nothing's ever done right as far as I can see it. And that can be very frustrating, as you can imagine, but it can also be very liberating, especially when you do bite the bullet and you do sink your teeth into something that you own and control wholly because you're responsible fundamentally for absolutely everything. You're responsible for how clean the driveway is, how much fucking dust has collected on the gate. You know, the, the organisation of the files in your fucking office, just the layout of everything. The book stops at you for absolutely everything. And like most things, it's a double-edged sword. It's the best thing in the world because when everything's under your control, you get to control everything. But when everything's under your control, you're fucking responsible for everything. And then when you start hiring people, that cranks up the anxiety that a little bit more because you're now responsible for people's fucking livelihood. Like, I I got away with a lot in the first year or two because ultimately it was only me by myself. And if I made a balls of it and it went tits up, well then, you know, so be it. I tried my arm out and if it didn't work out, you know, you dust yourself off and you get up. But now that I employ people, not that many people because we're only coming out of COVID, but the staff will increase over the coming weeks and months. And you're responsible for these fucking people. So it's not a decision that you should be taking lightly. And then again, if you really want to start your own business, but you're fucking terrified of the idea of being responsible for other people's wages as well as your own. Well, then just start fucking small and take it from there. Because a big problem that I have with business businesses is a lot of the time you've got lads coming out of college with degrees and masters and all the rest of it, and they know some super fucking shit cool stuff that I wish I was privy to. But they lack the tangibleness of having built something from nothing. They're blinded in a way that I'm not blinded. Now, I'm blinded in a way they're not blinded. I had a a very challenging conversation on the phone. It was about two years ago with a friend of mine over in England. And he was interested in my business. And to my discredit, I can't even repeat the questions he asked me. He asked me four questions. And he expected me to know the answers to these questions. Because as he saw it, you couldn't run a business without knowing the answers to these questions. But he's a, he was an Eton head over in... He went to Eton in, in the UK. Like He's a public schoolboy. And he's a business, business person. He books the trend a little, but I, I don't want to get into too much details, but he's a business business person. So he wanted to know For example the cost of goods sold. And I didn't know. And he was like, How do you not know the cost of goods sold? But that's what's important to him. And it's not It's not that it's important to me. It's just not how I conceptualise it. I know. I know what everything costs. I know what I sell it for, and I know what my margins are but I don't have it encapsulated in the textbook form that he was taught. And we're very different. Like He kind of phrased, as far as I was concerned at least, he referred to his staff as minimum wage numpties. That's how he conceptualises the people that he employs. Minimum wage numpties. Doesn't give two shits about them, doesn't care who they are, what they do, provided they come in and they just do what they're told, when they're told, how they're told, he doesn't give a shit. And like, you know, each to their own. It wouldn't be my way of doing things. I like the idea of bringing people in and trying to develop them as best I can and so that they can help me and I can help them and we fucking kind of grow together. But that would be very indicative or at least more indicative of a lifestyle business than a business business. As I said earlier, business businesses tend to be a lot less soulful or soulless, more to the point. And it depends on what type of a person that you are Like The the type of person that you are should at least, in theory, dictate the type of business that you get into. And the type of job that you have and the type of friends that you have. And the type of wife that you choose or husband or whatever it is. Like, understanding yourself is so crucially important to absolutely everything that you will ever do. And by understanding yourself, I mean understanding yourself. Not understanding what you'd like to be or who you'd like to be. You have to get deeper and understand fundamentally what you are as opposed to who you are. And on that somewhat waffly note, I'll catch you soon. <laughs>